listeners. Welcome to another episode of CreateNet. Uh, we are back here at Black Rabbit Audio. And as always, beside me is my favorite co-host, Chase. How you doing, Chase? Doing excellent. I'm so happy to be here tonight. Me too. This is going to be a really fun episode. Absolutely. And I'm sure especially for you, since you and our special guests go way back. Yes, way, way, way back before dinosaurs were even a before, thing. Before cavemen drew paintings on caves. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> cool. And uh, I'm so happy to uh, announce my guest tonight. It is John Navarro. He is uh, a longtime friend of mine, and he is a local chef um, in North Carolina. And uh, so uh, welcome to our show, John. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here, John. We appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Yeah. And uh, so I uh, just wanted to um, see how you've been. How, how's um, how's uh, life been in the past couple weeks? Been fantastic. Uh, been pretty busy at work. Kind of transitioning into new menu stuff. You know, usually this time of year things are kind of slow, but it's best for restaurants to keep it busy, you know, keep everybody on their toes, you know, stuff like that. So it's been pretty busy for me. Nice. Okay. And uh, where do you work? Uh, I work at Sicefield Country Club right now, the mm. golf club out in Sicefield. So we do a lot of big events, stuff for members, um, so stuff like that, yeah. So, um, you know, since you uh, told us that you work at a um, country club, like, could you kind of, like, bring us back a little bit and see where you, like, started as, you know, a person who would you know, do culinary stuff and do the, uh, you know, get into the uh, food industry. Could you kind of just take us back and where, how you got started? Sure. Uh, so actually go way, way back then. Um, my parents were both still working and uh, they both worked pretty busy jobs. My mom was teaching and my dad was an attorney. And so growing up, you know, usually they were at home at certain times, but often I was pretty alone. I usually hung out with my friends in the neighborhood, but I kind of, you know, taught myself a lot you know, how they do things, such as cooking. You know, mainly it was just simple as macaroni and cheese and ramen noodles and stuff like that. But I always found myself in the kitchens and especially at my best friend's house across the street, you know, his mom was a wonderful cook. You know, every time uh, I would go over there, she would cook homemade meals from, you know, bread, homemade sandwiches, made from homemade bread, you know, uh, fresh pasta, uh, stuff like that. You know, it got to the point even where my mom and dad were, you know, wondering where was I? You know, <laughs> he's not at home at six, seven o'clock in the evening, and it would end up being, you know, being across the street, <laughs> my best friend's house, eating really good food. So, kind of growing up, I had. You know, a lot of experience with uh, home cooking, um, kind of learning for myself. And I don't know, it didn't really turn into a professional thing until after high school, uh, when I went to a local community college, went to get my associate's degree in uh, culinary arts. Uh, ended up dropping out because uh, at the same time, I was interning at a friend's restaurant in downtown Greensboro. And uh, I found that I learned a lot more by doing things hands-on, you know, not really learning in in the classroom with books and stuff like that. I mean, it was helpful. You did learn a lot of the technique and classical French um, stuff, but I don't know, for me, it was just, I like learning hands-on, learning the hard way, you know, and I started from, you know, being dishwasher and prep cook, working up through the line cook, you know, learning kind of every station in the restaurant. So that's where I kind of started out, so. That's... That's really awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I uh, I just while listening to you, you know, uh, I also have a you know, as you know, a culinary background, and I, I can see the parallels. What we you know how we started, because uh, you know, I, and also like your interest in food, you know, it's the very basic stuff that uh, we all like just cook for ourselves, like mac mac and cheese. You know, for me, it was just. Dump cheese on top of not nachos and call it a day. Like oh, that yeah, was, for sure. That was my thing. Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Nachos are great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just my guilty pleasure. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much typically. Um, you know, you go to culinary school and then you just decide what's best for your career. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely amazes me that you you know, like you said, you went to community college to to study culinary, and then you it got to the point where you realized like it would be uh, more beneficial to you to have a hands on experience and learn that way rather than you know studying and taking exams and things like that. Because I feel like with culinary things, it really is more of a hands on experience. Like you need that. And uh, you know. So. Uh, Referring to what you're saying, Dal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a very hands-on experience. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, you know, culinary school actually has classes that are called labs, mm-hmm. and you, you know, go in and you learn from an instructor, and to be able to do what uh, that that teacher would teach you how to do certain techniques, like French um, training, because uh, uh, I think it's something to do with, uh, you know how to, you know, figure out how to uh, play a, um, a salad and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. just, it, you know, that school really, like, broke, broke down all the different uh, cuisines and stuff with the uh, teacher. Yeah, And sure. that's what John I, I went through in the yeah. school. Yeah, yeah it was very, definitely very technical, you know. There's everyone bringing the ruler, the class, <clears throat> to measure mm-hmm. the food, you know, the different kind of cuts of, you know, dices, all this other kind of technical stuff. And yeah, I enjoyed learning that, but... What, what was that point in school that just made you decide, like, you know, this is not for me, like... Well, I think it was actually after the second semester I attended, I actually, while I was working downtown, I had a job opportunity uh, to go out to Colorado to work as a cook chef over there. And I was like, well, all my friends are right now in college, you know, in-state, out-of-state, doing their own thing. I was living by myself at the time, you know, and I just wanted something new. So I kind of hopped on a plane and went all the way up to Colorado for six months and worked out there. So... Yeah, and um, yeah, and I, I, you know, can relate to that um, in terms of like, you know, I, I myself, I completed you know culinary school, but um, looking back at it now, you know, working about seven to eight years of working, in, you know, in the food industry, I learned so much more than just the classes itself. But, um, but I think the technical part can just make someone not want to cook. And in my opinion, I don't know about you, but um, anyway, um, I was wondering if um, if you ever like um, had anything that you are like currently working on in terms of like a, like a an idea of a, a cuisine that you're you're currently working on at the restaurant. Is that something that is there something that you're doing currently that you're working? Um, well, I do like to be creative. You know, the job position that I'm at now um, 
had certain restrictions, but we worked together as a team in the kitchen, so, you know, it was always nice to bring up my idea for a certain project coming up, or if we have, like, a plate of dinner, where they're like, oh, you know, John, could you make this? Um, I find myself doing a lot of um, Asian cooking. I love eating a lot of Asian foods. Um, I learned a lot of Asian techniques, you know, and I love using that towards... Um, our team stuff. So if we have something that comes up, if you know anything for sushi related or anything Filipino, Japanese, Chinese related, I like to use my skills and just kind of contribute to that kind of deal. So I still find myself doing a lot of um, Asian cuisines, mm. eating a lot of it, but also doing it, using it for my work. <laughs> so yeah, you know. for sure. And um, is um, where did your love start? forming for food like was it just their parents cooking or just um or you just really were obsessed with the you know certain cuisine and from uh what you just said it's like asian cooking like is there some kind of comfort in that or something people people do often ask me like what what's that spark that you had that kind of got you into cooking yeah and uh I know, for my generation, growing up watching a lot of TV, there was this movie on the Disney Channel, God, long ago, called <laughs> Eddie's Great Cook-Off, something about that. About this kid oh, that was, yes. like, in a home ec class. Eddie, Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off. Yes. Yeah, that's what and it was. I don't know what it was, but after watching that movie at, like, <laughs> 8 o'clock in the evening after school, you know, my mom came down the stairs at, like, 11 p.m., and I was in the kitchen rummaging around the cabinet, finding anything I could find, <laughs> throwing anything on the stove. And I think that movie is just kind of like, I love cooking. I love creating stuff, you know. And just after that, it just kind of shut off. So I was like, huh, maybe I'll pursue like a culinary degree later on the line. So. I love that Eddie from Eddie Mil- Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off was what inspired you. Just watching a Disney Channel movie. Well, for <laughs> me, it was great. <laughs> it was kind of a personal thing because, like, growing up... Um, it wasn't necessarily a strict household, but, you know, my parents did have certain expectations, you know, be good in school. Um, a lot of my, both of my siblings were very uh, into music, and so I was as well. So I grew up playing classical music, playing violin, did a lot of lessons, was in the orchestra at the time. And I don't know, when I watched that movie, it was kind of like, oh, you know, because his dad wanted him to play baseball, wanted him to pursue, you know, the sports career. But then he was just like, no, I took this home ec class, and I really like cooking. And, you know, for me, it was kind of like the same deal where, you know, a lot of people knew I was good at music, playing violin, doing all that stuff. But at the same time, I wanted to pursue my own kind of dreams and ideas, you know, and that's when I, like, kind of deviated away from the musical aspect and just kind of took that creativity from that and kind of put it towards food. And so when I watched that movie and, like, the guy kind of followed his dream but still, you know, was very successful, I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do. So at first my parents were like, yeah, okay, we'll see how that goes career-wise because, you know, my brother and sister were very successful in their careers and, you know, making the money, doing that stuff. But I just, you know, wanted to do what I wanted to do and it was, I don't know, maybe feel really good finding that I could do it, so. Yeah, people always think that we can be just you know, that our lives can be just one thing and that was, and that's it for the rest of, like, that's your whole story. It's like, you are this. But, you know, as people, we have, you know, different chapters of our lives and different passions that we pursue throughout Mm -hmm. our life. And so, and I think a lot of Disney Channel movies kind of, you know, drill that into us, you know, between High School Musical and then Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off and then like, you know, a couple other ones. But, uh, but yeah, no, we, uh, we as folks, we just, you know, we have different creative uh, 
endeavors just, you know, sitting in us and exploring different passions is what we should all try and do as humans. So, but yeah, that's cool. I didn't know about the, um, about your musical background. Yeah, yeah. And I still play from time to time. A lot of people I grew up with, um, they still ask me, you still play music? You know, and I, I still play every now and then, you know, um, just to keep me on the show. But really the, the, the classical background actually helped me be where I am today, where it kind of has a strict kind of like guideline to go through as well as being creative with it. So I kind of added like what I learned from that into the food stuff. Because, you know, culinary school can be strict, can be, you know, kind of gruesome and tiring and, you know, having all this stuff shoved into your head at once. You know, similar to music, especially the classical music, you have to learn all the techniques and the ways, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just taking that to the music, uh, the food aspect, you know, which is kind of, you know, helping get along. So I still appreciate that. So uh, speaking of, like, difficult things, uh, what was the most, like, challenging recipe you ever had to come across in your life? Oh, God. I wouldn't say there would be an exact single one, but anything to do with baking, I can't. Oh, me. I, same. <laughs> same. There's something about baking. Well, because baking is different than cooking. Well, so there's a lot more science. Whole, that is yeah. True. You know, in school, they have different courses like baking classes, international cooking, classical mm-hmm. cuisine. But I don't know. It was, it's pretty funny because, like, I never found myself to be a super smart person, like I hated math and science class. And like Me too. growing up in the school, I was just like, God, whatever career I choose, I did not involve any math, no no algebraic equations, none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I chose cooking and as I get into cooking, I'm like, oh, there are measurements, there are fractions, there's there's all kinds of yep. math stuff to do with science. <laughs> so I chose the one field in the culinary world that hasn't, you know, not to do with baking. So yeah. I just I don't like waiting. I love I love eating a lot of bakers, like gluten is my life you know anything <laughs> anything gluten i'm there pasta bread sure anything but so there wasn't really the patient you know? there wasn't really a, a specific ugh, i can't speak right specific. now specific uh, like a certain <laughs> recipe that um that you weren't really having a hard time so it's just the entire thing of baking Oh, I guess. Well, I think, well, if you want to be specific about certain recipes, one of the, I say, call them culinary school, the master sauces, hollandaise sauce, oh, probably one of my don't, hardest don't things start. to learn. Oh, hollandaise like, is, is bad? The technique that they teach you in school, they're so very, I don't know, everyone is holding a whisk and everybody, you know, messing it up because it's certain temperatures you have to do the same, the uh, slow amount of the butter you pour into the egg, all this stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of balancing going on. But I, uh, I messed it up a few times. But working in a uh, a brunch spot for like two years where I made brunch every single day, uh, I had to learn how to make hollandaise from scratch. That kind of threw me and you're like, well, I can make the perfect hollandaise now. But Wow. Learning the technical ethics of that. Mm-mm. So, Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I did kind of want to uh, go into um, some uh, chef stereotypes and if uh, any of, of them kind of rub you the wrong way or if you've heard certain things as like, no, nah, that's not all. That's not really us. <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, any, yeah, any of those any sort of stereotypes about chefs that you've heard over the years that's like, oh, nah, there, that's not really true. One. There are so many. John has so many tattoos. Yeah, there we go. Arms. Bring out the big Oh, the tattoos. <laughs> you know, there's a whole thing of are you a tattoo artist or are you a chef? 
you know. <laughs> and it's just, it's just so funny. Everybody always asks me about my tattoo, but mm. of all the restaurants I've ever worked in, I feel like I've had the most tattooed. Even when I first had, like, one or two or three, even, mm-hmm. everyone else had, like, bare arms, you know? And I'm like, I thought this was just a cool thing, you know? Right. But, yeah. Yeah, because, uh, Chase, you don't have any, do you? No. No, yeah, Chase has one. I'm the exception. Oh, you're the, the you most? Are you the only exception? Well, because I'm covered with moles and they're constellations. Oh, God. <laughs> that's what, that's what it would be my tattoos. It's these moles all over moles my arms. Don't and they count. look like constellations. <laughs> oh, so you're basically saying. I was saying born that, with tattoos. You're basically saying that we need to take a Sharpie and just like map yep. out your arms here and then we can get but, you some killer tattoos. Is that yep. what it is? It's a funny thing that you mentioned the Sharpie because like. I didn't even get tattoos because of being a chef thing. Like, I don't know, my parents always saw me growing up getting tattoos because I would always draw myself with Sharpie from letters to mm-hmm. designs or whatever. Oh, I did that in school all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I did that in school all the time. Yeah. So drawing, I mean, drawing on myself, yeah. It was going to be a given. Like, I definitely wanted to get tattoos. You know, I, I even waited until I was 19 to get my first one, you know. Well, what was that first tattoo? The first one was uh, on my right arm. It was Totoro, which an animation character from Studio Ghibli. You know, it's a mm-hmm. big nerdy tattoo, but... I don't know, I just really fell in love with it, and I couldn't stop. It's very addicting. Once you get one, you can't, you know, stop. So. That's what I keep hearing. Yeah. And what's the uh, other few uh, stereotypes that you may feel like it's true or not? I mean, I don't know. Um, well, there are a lot there I feel like are true. There are a lot I feel like aren't true. Um. One of the big ones I feel like is true. A lot of people say that, you know, when you work in the service industry, like we in the chef, you don't ever have time to do anything else. You're always working late hours, you know, you're very, you know, you're you're exhausting yourself. And it's true. Like a lot, when I first started working out, you know, it was, you know, not even eight hour days, when then the 10, 11, 12 hour day, you know, go in at seven o'clock in the morning, get out at one, one in the morning the next day, you know. Um, and a lot of people always, not really stay away from trying to work a service industry job, you know, but they, they know about it enough from, you know, media culture, uh, hearing, you know, other people that they know talk about it, you know, oh, I work with a chef, you know, in a restaurant or cooking in a restaurant, even servers, you know, they, it's just the service industry as a whole can be very exhausting. I feel like a lot of people that when they hear about chefs, they're like, ooh, you must work a lot of hours, you know, not have any free time. So, yeah, that one's pretty, pretty much true. Um... A lot of, kind of, not really the dark aspect, but a lot of people assume that we're very... Edgy. Edgy. Yeah. You know, a lot of people part Because <laughs> when you work a lot of hours, Hence a lot of times you, don't, you barely have any time for yourself. So what you after you get off work, you go have a drink, you know, go party with all your friends that were in the restaurant, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, because there's not a lot of time. Not a lot of time. You just wait out here. You have to go back in the work the next five hours. So mm-hmm. that's definitely... And, uh, you know, if uh, someone who is interested in working in the food industry or they're about to go on a culinary school, what would, what would be that thing that you would say to them? If they're worried about, you know, what if what if I can't get into a relationship? What, should I worry about that? Is there any advice you can give to that? Uh, it's just kind of flashing back what you were talking earlier about the culinary school. I would definitely recommend anyone who wants to go get into the culinary field should definitely go to culinary school. Um, a, you know, you have something down on paper. A lot of places nowadays, they want, like, a two-year experience or you can go to culinary school. That would definitely get you into the more of the higher-end places. 
Um, but also, CCC stuff, you, you never know. A lot of chefs nowadays think they know everything. But even I, I've, I've only been working for 11 years in the chef industry, but there's so much more I love learning. You know, one person might know everything about Asian food, but nothing about Italian food or Moroccan food or African food, you know, stuff like that. Um, so definitely anyone that's trying to get into the field, I would definitely recommend going to culinary school, whether it's, a, you know, a big one like CIA, Culinary Institute of America, or your local community colleges. There's programs everywhere. So I feel like nowadays in the... Um, New media, social social media stuff. A lot of people are seeing more of the chef, you know, stuff like on TV, um, with like the cooking competitions or anything on Netflix. It's great to watch. I feel like a lot of people are getting into the new media stuff and kind of learning more about the culinary aspects of it and want to get into it. You know, so well, you know. Also, like, do you think that people can still be successful in relationships despite of like? what you're saying like we work a lot of hours and that stuff true. like that um, I know a lot of people that I've even worked for um, they have struggled you know earlier on you know because they're, they're married now and they got kids um, and it's very hard to have to, to have a relationship even with friends from partners and stuff like that because as we talked about before there's, there's no real time you know you wake up early go to work come home you want to go to bed go to bed you know and um Really, it, it kind of depends on where you work at. A lot of places uh, nowadays that I've worked at are like a nine-to-five job. You know, you go in, you get off at five, it's fine. Um, a lot of the later places, like you work at a bar or um, a hiring restaurant with a bar, you know, you find yourself later in the day. But I feel like earlier on when I was working, for sure, I didn't have any time. But as time grew on, you know, I kind of... To kind of figure it out. Kind of figure it out. Kind of, you know, fit into this the free space with things I wanted to do um, and stuff like that. Yeah, so. and and I was um, I was asking you that because uh, I was just kind of thinking about when I used to uh, be in the food industry. Um, you know, I would just find myself being in a rut and just doing the same thing over and over again because. That's just how things are in the kitchen. It's a lot of rep- repetition. You know, you're making things over and over again. And um, that can also kind of spill over into personal life. And that's what happened to me a couple of times. And I just was just really curious what your take was on it. Um, yeah, that's what I would imagine as somebody who's never worked in the service industry, that that would be the hardest part, trying to make time for other things and other people other than your um, coworkers and things like that. So. Hey, I see a lot of chefs out there with, with the specific drive to be um, very successful, to be on top. It's a very competitive world in the, in the, oh, yeah. in the service industry. Very, very competitive. Oh, I bet. And you'll see all these chefs over, you know, in, in Europe and even here where they, they're working for the Michelin star, you know, um, and their only relationship that they have is with the restaurant, you know, is... is it's their, it's their beauty, it's their love, it's, it's what they have. Yeah, it's you know? literally they're married to the job, basically. They're married, married to the job, literally. And it can be hard, definitely for sure, for someone that wants to be at the top but also make time for other things. I feel like a lot of people, not personally that I know, but I've seen other people and other chefs here in North Carolina and other parts of the world kind of struggle um, maintaining both parts. You know, because they really want to be the best, but at the same time, they can lose other things. There's a lot of there's a lot of sacrifice involved uh, to get to that top, and you know, there's people that you know love you all the way, you know, 
and then you just got to depend who you can trust and rely, you know, and that's, I think communication is a very big part in that. Um, and, uh, and speaking of being competitive is in the kitchen. Is there any pet peeves you have about, you know, your coworkers and how, how you, you know, do things and stuff? Not really. I mean, Oh, come on, John. Nothing specifically oh, about like working in a kitchen, like any pet peeves with like, you know, just the way things are done. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can talk about me. We worked together once. <laughs> we did work together, okay? So I'm kind of holding all the anger in. No, okay. <laughs> no, I mean. Say for- everything about what it was like working with Chase and all the bad parts. Go. <laughs> <sighs> Thanks, Nikki. You're welcome. You're the best. Yeah, I try. <laughs> Well, he doesn't know how to make any wontons right. But we'll get to that later. Oh, oh. Uh, see? You know, there was I, big, big fat hand. I knew that was coming. Like I knew this was coming. Shots fired. I love it. <laughs> uh, well, it, 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 I do have a few pet peeves. But at the same time, it's kind of hard to find them if you work in a well-oiled, you know, machine of a kitchen. You know, because yeah. we compare it. Yeah, her uh, kitchen to be kind of like a military. You know, everybody has a certain job, a certain stuff to do, and everybody, if everybody does it right, you know, then, you know, everything else will fall in line. Um, so if I work my station and I have, you know, somebody else working it, we put our dishes together at the same time, it'll be fine. You know, we're, we're, we're getting it out at the same time. But if someone falls behind, you know, or gets distracted, that kind of gets on my nerves, or... Dirty, dirty kitchen to me is a big, big pet peeve. I don't know if it's my OCD thing or, you know, I find myself sweeping every five minutes. Even if it's like, oh, see stuff on the ground, I find myself sweeping. It's kind of like a personal thing, you know, like I want it to be neat, but also kind of like a professional thing because I don't want certain, you know, random stuff falling in my food or anything on my line to be disorganized. I like if things have... There, there's a phrase for that, right? Mise Plus, I think. Yeah, Mise Plus. So, yeah, yeah. I have on my Mise ready. You know, kind of like with the music stuff. You want to have everything there so when you can you only have to use your eyes and just use your hand or your mind, you know, just kind of grab and go, and that will get through out quickly. So Muscle memory, basically. Yeah, organization with your Mise Plus, it has to be right, set up. The person before you, I like to have, you know, stocking up everything right so you don't have to walk in and spend your first hour restocking everything, and then you're lost, you know, when the dinner rush comes in because, you know, you're not there. So, stuff like that. Well... There's a thing, uh, people think that the head chef is the most important thing in the restaurant. It's actually the dishwasher. Because if nobody cleans dishes, <laughs> nobody's eating. That is very true. That's a very good point. That is very true. So that's what uh, John means by machine. Because yeah. if mm. that part is out, somebody's washing dishes. They if have they, to. If one cog in the wheel is loose, they circle. everything falls chain, apart. Yes. If, mm-hmm. you know, one link in that chain is broken, then it kind of all falls apart. Yeah. And, and, that's, you know. and that's what you have to decide uh, what you want to do about being in the food industry as a career. You have to be really good working with people. You have to realize that, you know, it can be a stressful environment, but the... You know, the the benefits of also uh, being in the food industry is that, you know, you can eat when you when you want and uh, when you have the time. You can make your own food. Covering over also, a trash can, eating when you yeah. have time. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I ate a lot, like, when I was in the food industry. And, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. you know, we'll come up Because it's easy some. access. You can just, you know, mm-hmm. make something, eat it real quick, and then make stuff for other people, I would imagine. And, yeah. and it's fun, too, uh, having that camaraderie with the other, um, you know, 
food industry people, you know, got all that smut, smack talk. And, oh, man, like John and I, when we were working together, we would go back and forth. And uh, that's the things that I miss about being in the food industry. And uh, you just you just get brutal, get honest. Like, um, Well, you two still che- tease each other all the time. You don't need to be working together yeah, for that. That's actually very true. <laughs> well, but you're right. The camaraderie is, is, is a very... It's, there's nothing like thing. it. I, I'm sorry, but in my opinion, yeah. there's nothing like it. Yeah, no, it, it really isn't. It, it's one of those things where, you know, if someone that's not working there, walking in the kitchen, everybody yelling at each other, cussing, you know, at each other's throat, <laughs> you know, it, it's because we're the brothers and sisters in that, you know, situation. It, at the end of the day, we're, we might have argued, we might have yelled, we might have mm-hmm. cussed each other out. At the end of the day, when we close shop, we're all walking out to a friend, we completed our job, and it was great, you know, and it, it just makes us nothing like, whole, you know. Well, and that type like. of environment, I would imagine, is super stressful anyway, so it's like, and you're like having to yell over like pots and pans and, you know, mm-hmm. time, timers, I would imagine, and stoves and things like that, so it's like, you know, if you go in there and people are yelling at each other, I would go in there and be like, okay, so you guys are cooking stuff. Right. Like I wouldn't think, I wouldn't think anything of it really. Cause I would imagine, you know, it, it would be a lot of like yelling and be like, Hey, go over here. Like, no, you go over there. You need to be over here making this or right. cleaning well, that. That's too or, long. That's anyway. too long. Is it? If you just say go over there, cause oh, okay. you'd be, oh, clearly I don't know anything. At you if you took that long. <laughs> Right, yeah, right, John. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I've definitely seen a lot of plates being thrown around. I've played, uh, you know, thrown plate plenty of people, you know. So and and John's thrown wontons at me before. Yes, that is true. <laughs> Professionalist case, you know, I can be you have to be a professional. Yeah. But no, I definitely agree. I I recommend a lot of kitchens out there. You know, there's a whole mental aspect to working in a kitchen too. A lot of a lot of people, you know, even myself, I've heard case with experience, but. You know, being everything from depression to the anxiety thing, you know, a lot of people nowadays can be very anxious in that environment. And I feel like um, if I if I were ever run a kitchen, I want my team to be perfect, but at the same time, a good team and not to have, you know, any issues going on. I recommend people doing anything from like staff meals, you know, where we eat together as a, as a family type deal, going out after work, you know, because a lot, when I grew up in the kitchen, it was just a go to work, get the stuff done, go back home, you know, angsty there, angsty at home, it was, it was terrible. But, you know, growing up in it, and I learned that, you know, the more I'm friends with people, the more I can kind of connect, the more we can kind of work together as a team better as well, so... Yeah. Well, um, I don't know how to transition into this, but um, but I'll just go ahead right into it. Um, you got it, Chase. Go got ahead. it. Uh, you know, from this point forward, you know, since you've put in eleven years into the food industry, uh, do you have do, do you have anything that? Um, or any idea that what would, could happen in the future for the food industry? Is there any good hopes or you feel iffy about it? Um, what do you think is going to happen? That's a, kind of a, a 
funny thing you asked because I was just kind of talking with my girlfriend earlier. We were watching videos on Facebook of like robots making food. And I was like, oh, there goes my job. You know, it's going to be oh, some, yeah. some robot about to make my sushi or my salad or whatever I have to make. You know, it, technology nowadays is getting so advanced. You know, I always picture myself watching Star Wars and have robots and aliens making food. But <laughs> I think now as, um, as I was mentioning earlier with the whole social media thing, everyone's very involved, even taking pictures of the food at home. You know, I feel like people can be, are being more creative from their, you know, their freaking avocado toast to <laughs> their homemade pasta that they see on Pinterest or Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that as a whole, I feel like people are getting more involved in it. Um, from career-wise and stuff like that, and in the future with, with restaurants, I feel like we're going to be okay and be, um, I don't know how you say it. More personable? I mean, yeah. I, I feel like there's going to be a bigger um, following of the personal chef because uh, I don't know if robots are going <laughs> to still be able to get that personal that's touch. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. Right, you know, sure. I, well, I, that's what my opinion is. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking it's like having chefs come up with the recipes for the delivery meal kits that everyone's getting, like Blue Apron yeah, that, and HelloFresh yeah, and stuff. People are very involved in that. You know, my sister loves every meal where they just flown it. And I'm yeah. appalled by it. I, I swear to God, I got one with her. I was at her house in Seattle, and she made me take apart the box and get what was in it. It was like some simple pasta dish. And I, for the life of me, could not make it. I was trying to follow the instructions. <laughs> Everything's already cut up in your little bag. And I was like, what What the heck is this? I, uh-uh, I'm not doing this. I threw that stuff away and I made her the same meal from scratch. Um, <laughs> so the pre-portioned it, ingredients thing, didn't help you? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a very trendy thing that people are doing nowadays. And I mean, if it works for them, they can do it. I know a lot of people don't have the skill. I'm not saying that everyone should have the skills, you know. I might be judgmental. You know, because if someone can't freaking peel a carrot or a, a potato, then we might have a problem. But, you know, I Well, feel then, like John, I might have a problem. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> feel like, you know, as we go to a lot of... That's what I like about being local, too. A lot of places, especially in Greenfield, you know, we have a, a pretty good um, connection with Chef. You know, here, a pretty good group of chefs and restaurants here. Um, but I really like to kind of push the local thing, you know, because a lot of foods now and in the past have been, you know, commercialized and been made in factories and all that kind of stuff. You don't really know where your stuff is coming from. So I like to stick with the group to kind of push the local stuff, supporting local farms, supporting the local, you know, even the local butcheries and stuff like that. Um, because that kind of pushes us into the future as, you know, as the world, you know, taking care of the land and stuff, you know, kind of connect with the food as well. So in the future, I see a lot of people worried with all the climate change going on, you know, all these politics and stuff. But I don't know, I feel like culinary world is going to be kind of in the middle of that as well and being kind of affected by everything in the future. But sure. I feel a positive vibe coming from it, so... Well, that's good. Very cool. Um, and besides, robots are going to take all our jobs. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not going to be yeah. just you. We're so, find yeah. Mars and find them a whole new kind of plant to work with. So. Right. Yeah. Well, just, so. yeah, they're just going to like genetically modify everything yeah, and then, you know, it'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's fine. We'll just, we'll just, um, you know, eat ramen and we'll be, we'll be, we'll be yeah, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll eat ramen. It'll be good. It'll be package. It'll be great. Yeah. Sprinkle that on anything. <laughs> so, um, uh. if I was going to ask you uh, if, you know, one of our listeners is like brand new to cooking, like, and they don't know where to start and they just, they just want to home cook or whatever. Is there like a, a meal that you can think that, um, 
that you can kind of like give them a, a recipe or, or something they can kind of start? Because I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people that don't know how to cook and mm-hmm. they're too scared to. But is there a recipe out there that they can start with? Maybe something simple that might also like be like, hey, I'm, I'm impressing you with this, you know, kind of thing. Um not really off the top of my mind. I do recommend something simple, you know. I know a lot of people can be picky with their food, you know, a lot liking texture, smells, you know, taste, stuff like that. But I still suggest something simple like a base, going from sandwiches to pasta to, you know, what do they eat in general and kind of go based off that. If they want to learn how to make chicken wings, you know, that's a pretty simple thing. Just put them in the oven or you can fry them uh, or put them in a pan, stuff like that. Kind of go off what they like to do best or like to eat and kind of go off of that. Um... Because that's kind of what I did, you know, I really like how to make instant ramen, but I wanted to know how to make fresh ramen, you know, kind of. So so you just recommend for them to, like, whatever interests them, whatever go them, for it. Yeah, like, go don't it. worry about, mm-hmm. you learn, know. Learn the hard way, you know. I, <laughs> burn, burn a few things. Why not, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, trial and error. Trial and error. Best way to learn. Definitely I mean, stick with your comfort zone, just to start out with. You know, anything complicated where you have to cut stuff or, you know, there, there are all these tools out there from knives to, you know, push I mean, chopper things or robocoos, all that stuff. But something simple, you know, in, in their comfort zone, I feel like, you know, starting with the base and then you can kind of fancy up yourself. Just, so. It's an adventure. I mean, I mean, I feel yeah. like making food and whatever's out of your pantry is the most fun thing to me. Like, you know, I, I try to be creative and try to make it taste good despite of the lack of ingredients that might be in there. Um, and that's how I started with cheese on that, uh, nachos. Yeah. And uh, put a little stuff on it. Um, but anyway, sure. um, do you have any other questions? Um, or- well, um, I did want to kind of touch on, because um, uh, like my friend Chase here, you also happen to be deaf. So I just kind of wanted to get your perspective on working in a kitchen since you happen to be someone who is deaf, if you wanted to kind of touch on adapting to that, uh, you know, in that being in that environment and kind of adapting to certain things, maybe I'm not sure. Anyway. Is is uh, is um, if the, if that's something that you're comfortable sharing, that's yeah. fine. No, yeah, no, perfect. No, um, for sure. Yeah, I've grown up. A lot of people ask me that growing up, you know, from playing music to being in the culinary field, if it ever affected me. And I didn't really think about it until one time I was having an interview for a job and the employer asked me, you know, do your hearing aids affect you at work? And I was like, they don't really. I mean, you know, they're not controlling how I cook things, you know, my knowledge and stuff. So, yeah, it can be, it's definitely a loud environment. It's definitely, you know, a lot of stuff going on. And one of those things, if you hear something wrong, it can affect what you do, you know, a gift to an order or anything that you're doing. Um, but I kind of, the way I was brought up with my, my hearing aids and everything, I was kind of trained, you know, in a way, how to hear and trying to handle things. Um I'm kind of spoiled in a way where <laughs> the technology that I have in my ears, you know, there can be certain settings I can use to, you know, direct my sound to either the front or the back, so that kind of helps. But, no, I mean, for me, yeah, it can be sometimes kind of hard, but at the same time, other people can't hear at all either. <laughs> so I'm kind of in the same <laughs> it's boat. True. You know, from pots to pans to, mm-hmm. you know, just that stuff. And I love the saying, any chef out there would understand, or anybody in the service, any free will understand, but when you hear the word heard, it's like the best thing. It's like kind of like a confirmation of like, yeah, 
I got that, you know, or you need this order done, heard, got that. Um, and it's kind of that ironic thing for me that every time I hear it, cause I'm like, oh yeah, I'm hard of hearing, so I definitely heard that. <laughs> you know, I definitely did not hear that, you know. So <laughs> and, uh, it, I, I feel like there's a big stib- stigma for people who are hard of hearing in the kitchen, and they think that they're also liable, you know, that liability doesn't stop with us. It's also with everybody else. Every, anybody can hurt each other. I was going to say and anyone could be liable. doesn't matter if you're, you know, happen to be disabled or if you're a perfectly able person. Like, right. You can and always be liable for something. Well, there's always the accommodation route and there's also learning your station and knowing what you're responsible for and having those communication uh, skills that you have with your teammates. And once mm-hmm. you get that down pat, you're, you're just as good as yeah. someone next next door. And that's, yeah. that's something that I just wanted to, uh, you know, discuss with you tonight because, um, you know, you know, that's just something that's very important um, that I want to bring awareness to because um, I've struggled with that for years and people would always doubt my ability to, you know, work in the uh, workplace. So I just, I really appreciate you uh, sharing that. Um, on yeah, the definitely. And, and for someone like me as well, I also have a disability myself. Um, granted, mine's physical. So a lot of the, you know, sometimes a lot of the jobs that you know, I would be able to get would be fine. But, you know, when I was looking for jobs initially, I did have that thought of being like, okay, so I can't work retail because that's standing on my feet for too long. I can't work fast food because that would be too much running around and I can't do that. So it's like things like that, you know. Um, so that's why I kind of wanted to get your perspective yeah, on, sure. yeah, um, on that. I do find, so the kitchen that I have worked at, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> they've always seen that if you can get a job, be here on time, you're good. Oh, yeah. You know, like, it doesn't matter, you know, color, your skin, your sexuality, or any kind of stuff. It's mainly can you get a job? Can you cook an omelet? Can you, you know, make this? Um, I have struggled, you know, sometimes, and we joke about it a lot at work, too. You know, people will make a certain noise or something like that, and they'll be like, what? what? <laughs> you know, but I don't know. It's, it's, at the same time, in my experience, I haven't found anything negative other than if I can't hear something, I can hear it. Um, and I feel like a lot of places, even nowadays, I feel like there are a lot of places that kind of um, skip over that aspect, you know, and kind of look at it more professionally rather than personally. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, everyone's there to work, you know. And I, and I feel like, and, I feel like, excuse me, I, I just wanted to uh, put this out here before I lose it. Um, I feel like when, when you are searching, you know, a job and you're in an interview, you want to also ask that company how the culture is. That's the most important thing than your compensation. Because if you're going out there and you're like, uh, how much are you going to pay me? Well, you could be paid the highest, but if the work culture 
sucks. Mm-hmm. What's the point? Yeah. And I and I feel like you know that's, that's definitely a priority for me as well in mm-hmm. in yeah. my job. Like where I work, the environment that I work in is very positive, and we're very like you know communicative with each other, and it's a really great space to work. So yeah, definitely so, that is a a big priority. You know, yeah, compensation is always would always be second for me looking for something. So well, um, I just want to say thank you for uh, coming on the podcast. Yeah, John. And uh, before we wrap it up, yeah. I just wondered if uh, if you wanted to plug in anything that you're, you know, whatever your future projects or your, your social media, things like that, um, you can mm-hmm. plug it in here if you like. Yeah, totally. If you want to share anything about what you're up to or if you want to... You know. Well, uh, definitely, if you have Instagram, being on the Deaf topic, uh, my <laughs> Instagram handle is DeafChef91. So give a follow if you want to see anything I'm creating. Um, there are a lot of other Deaf Chefs out there on Instagram, which I found very hilarious, but also comforting at the same time. But, <laughs> well, that's uh, great to know. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> but no, yeah, definitely give a follow on there. I do really appreciate coming on. So, yeah. thank you guys for having me. Sure. And uh, like always, guys, if you want to uh, listen to our previous episodes or uh, catch the one you're listening to right now, again, maybe, you can uh, follow us on Spotify uh, to have all our episodes there. And uh, you can follow us at on Facebook and Instagram at CreateNetPodcast. We're also on Twitter, CreateNetPod, because podcasts couldn't fit. Um, and, uh, if you are a fellow creative person that wants to share your passions with us and have your story highlighted on the show, please, please message us. We would love to hear from you and have you on our show. You can DM us on Instagram, or if you would like to send us a good old fashioned email, you can do that as well. We have createnetpodcast at gmail.com. So, uh, yeah. Cool. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in and you guys have a great night or great day or whatever you're, whenever you're listening. Whatever time. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye.